0: and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Spotlight, directed by Tom McCarthy and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A team of reporters from the Boston Globe works to expose child molestation by priests and the cover-up perpetrated by the
1: Catholic Church. Indeed, they do. Um. I, off the bat, I loved this movie. Yeah, it was really, really good. God, it was good. I mean, it was just really, really excellent movie. Uh, from all the movies I've seen in this Oscar season, this one, it just stuck with me. It's, you know, it's up there with Creed for me, as as in movies I've really enjoyed this Oscar season.
0: Yeah, Creed and this and Mad Max.
1: <laughs> I yeah. know Mad
0: Max wasn't an Oscar season movie, but it is nominated for an Oscar, yeah. and I will bring it up at any opportunity. Um, I think... One of the things that struck me when I was watching Spotlight is everybody is on point. Like, every single person in this movie is really on top of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nobody who feels like they're letting the, the team down. Everybody is like, oh, I now remember, I now know what I know the fourth guy from. <laughs> Just right. hit me, Uh no, but um everybody really seems to be like working hard and making sure that they're giving their all to their characters and mm-hmm. um even when the character's not like I think some of the characters were kind of more explored as the movie went on and some of them were a bit showier than others, but there weren't any I know that um Mark Ruffalo's up for a best supporting actor mm-hmm. nod, but I think everybody kind of brought their A game to it. Like I wouldn't be able to pick out one person oh, I, to and give and a not, nomination to. No,
1: and not just your leads. There were some really good performances by men playing adult victims. Actually, men and there's a couple of women as well. So, but the adult victims, particularly the three that they focused on talking mm.
0: to, and um, Billy Crudup was really good. Uh, who was he? Um, the the lawyer, the yes. the creepy lawyer who yeah. turned out to not be so bad. And I like that. I mean, I know it's based on a true story, but I like that nobody was just kind of good or bad. That no, like, oh, it seemed it, like they were kind of setting up this conspiracy that didn't actually exist, and mm. it was really interesting all, in that way. All
1: the way, yeah. All of the even like even people like the Cardinal's staff, the guy playing the Cardinal, he was like perfectly charming and creepy and… Uh, On that um, one priest that, such that a Rachel politician. McAdams… Yeah, um, Paquin, Father yeah. Paquin, that was just astonishing. Tiny, tiny little piece of performance by this guy and it just, that will stick with you. He just admits to raping these children – no, sorry, he's molesting these children and the way he's just completely blithe about it. Just, oh, my God, what a wonderful little little tiny bit of the film that was just perfectly on point.
0: Yeah, I thought – I just think, like, everybody kind of put together this really nice little – well, not not nice, but, you know, like well put together little film that – Uh, really focuses on the subject matter and doesn't let anything kind of overshadow that, but but But, everything works nicely together. Right, and they're
1: still very real and realistic characters because obviously they're playing real people. They're not real people that we personally know, but they'd be real people and there's a lot of respect for that. Like you can see um, at one point somebody tells Mark Ruffalo you can be a bit of an asshole sometimes and you can see that he is incredibly diligent and hardworking and he's funny but he's also like dogged. That he's diligence, a puppy. <laughs> yeah, that dil, that diligence makes him incredibly persistent, and he just runs and runs and runs after everything. And clearly, and, he's
0: messed up his marriage because of right, it, right?
1: Because he can't stop working. But you see them all, you and there's a, just this amazing uh, scene just before the end, just before they go to print, where Michael Keaton's character admits that a few years earlier, when the story had come to him, he'd covered it up. He hadn't yeah. pursued it. And the, I think that was just – you sort of – you know – He hadn't covered it up. He hadn't pursued it, hadn't, I think, is more just, accurate because he didn't even yeah. remember doing it. So right. it wasn't like a but ploy. That, and that's whole, what I mean.
0: It wasn't through to,
1: line is just is at absolutely the heart of the message of the movie, which is to say that these things happen because good people just kind of uh, – go about their business they don't notice things they don't follow up
0: and I think that's kind of interesting for it to do because I uh, like there is a conspiracy going on as well but Mm. a lot of it is not like you know you hear all these conspiracy theories and stuff and a lot of it isn't to do with a conspiracy it's that everybody's just as they said doing their jobs and
1: doing their own thing and they just don't necessarily want to get more involved than they already are Mm. or he does uh, talk there for a minute about everyone knew what was going on when he's talking about his old high school mm. everybody knew something was going on but nobody really talked about it and he talks about that kind of silence but of course it's very different when you're a high school student hearing gossip as to as opposed to when you're the editor of a metro section and you're getting bits of evidence but that through line that this is a good guy he's doing the right thing he it, it took him you know 10 years too late to you know it took him 10 years to do the right thing not too late but He's doing the right thing, and he knows that he did the wrong thing, and he, he wants to make up for it. But he also knows that the people involved, a lot of the the people who are, you know, the lawyers or the PR people for the church and stuff, they just kind of were doing their job in a moment.
0: Yeah, but it's also interesting to see the uh, frustration of people who have been trying to bring this to light for a long time, like mm. that the um Billy Crudup's character um McLeish. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this moment where he's like, But I sent you guys the list, you didn't do anything about it, so I yeah. well, that's a, what else am I gonna do? And, and whole, people just sort of go, I can't do anything else.
1: Well that, that arc where we we start off thinking that he is obfuscating that he is a front for the church, that he's just mm. kind of gonna cover this up and he's like, No, I tried. I did. But I've I've recognized that this go is bigger than me and it goes beyond me and I can't be bothered or you know, you guys, nobody took me up on it. Well, it's not even that I can't be bothered, I tried it
0: and like there's not, you know what else am I going to do? Mm, mm-hmm. I am just one piece in this. And I think that that's really interesting that they it's really, like, um, like, talk about systemic cover-ups and systemic problems in the mm. society. Um, it will be great also, to see that with some other, like, issues as right, well. Because cause there's
1: also a priest who they talk about who report reports it up the chain and the priest in question just gets moved along. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really uh, – it is just, like, all the little pieces just fit so nicely together. Stanley Tucci is so good in this movie. Mm. As, um, as
1: one of these crusading lawyers who actually is still going. Yeah,
0: it's just really, yeah, <laughs> really? this is what I was afraid of when we went to see this movie, but it's all really good. It's a really good movie that people should
1: see and it's good. Uh, yeah, I wish it was getting um, more attention. I know it's getting some notices for the acting, but I think it's actually just, And I, and I know that this is kind of, we all know about these cover-ups now. We know that this goes on, but... It's an important movie because it reminds people, and the way it ends, it ends with um, Stanley Tucci's lawyer going in to talk to two young kids who had been abused like two weeks earlier. And not that, quite.
0: That's near the end.
1: The actual last scene is all the phones going right, off. Right. Is everyone calling up. But, but, it also it, that I think it's important that it ends with that scene because the lessons of the movie are really they stick with you. Like, what am I involved in? What am I not noticing? What am I just ignoring that is going on? that I'm not speaking out about. Like you really do ask those sorts of questions and you come out of it thinking, um, you know, this isn't over just because this the, these kind of exposures are happening and there's and there's also like inquiries going on. In fact, Australia's only cardinal tomorrow morning is testifying at a child abuse inquiry and he um, he's dragged his feet on for years and he was the bishop or the archbishop of an area where there was troubled priests who kept getting moved around parishes and mm-hmm. the allegation is that he knows he knew what was going on and he covered it up and kept moving them on and putting them on sick leave and all that kind of stuff. And But of course that Cardinal had been, has now been promoted and is off in Rome and is supposed to be helping clean up the Vatican. And in fact, you know, this he's got this buried in his past. So it's like this ongoing thing. And I think it's good to have films like this come out and ho- hope probably they need to come out regularly to keep reminding people that this still happens and is still going on.
0: Yeah. It's interesting as well. Um, that uh the f- emphasis on the Catholic Church and how important it is in Boston is really interesting, yeah, um the mm-hmm. film is very boston centric uh I saw I think there was an honest trailers thing about it that was like a film that perfectly captures Boston, the Bostonians' wish was set anywhere else
1: yeah um, uh, and, and and it's in, well that that kind of the church being so important is important to the whole story because it's different. Um, when it happens other places, because this happens everywhere, but it's different when it happens in Boston. It's different when it happened in Ireland. Mm. So it's that, 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 um, sense of the church permeating everyone's life was important too. And it's really interesting. Like, they,
0: I mean, they, they do a lot of work to build Boston up, but there's like this, uh, as, as a kind of another character in the movie, Mm. but there's all these shots of like houses just in front of churches and all this sort Mm -hmm. of stuff where you're like, you see like visually how much it affects you, but also, um, rather entertaining through note in the movie is like the birth of the or, or the beginning of the internet becoming popular mm-hmm. and there's like this at big aol ad and like yeah. they talk about We'll put the url the- down the bottom it's really easy and all these little bits and pieces that are like yeah. you can see like the kind of rise of, of uh and, computers and, and in the and internet while they're still using like books and and
1: paper and notepads machines and and they've got to go to the records office and go to the courthouse to find documents um yeah i that was an interesting through line as well because of course like the other story of this is the story of the value of investigative journalism and the independent media in a time in a time where um yeah my dad's gonna have a field day yeah (laughs) yeah well that's right in a time where the um where the media has been has shrunk where the, they, there's a line about the new editor coming in and worrying about cuts. And in fact, the new he's editor is so
0: good. The oh new gosh, he's com- so good. Comes in,
1: and he's the one outsider who can look at the city and say, "Um, you guys know that this is a thing, and you need to investigate it." And he actually puts the resources and money into the investigative team. So I think that was interesting too. The um that through line of the internet, which now 15 years later has, you know, I was going to say decimated, but that means reduced by 10 percent, and it's not—it's done far more than that. To newspapers, like it's it's a to- totally different world. So there's that important um, investigative stuff, and it, it's funny too that like nowadays, like that kind of investigative journalism is more popular than ever. There's a whole bunch of like sites that and, and bits of social media where they share articles, and there's lots of long reads and long articles, and even Buzzfeed started investigating investing in investigative journalism. That kind of journalism is becoming. Um, quite popular i mean i think the the
0: mo- the best investigative journalism on tv now happens on like john oliver's show
1: mm. you know like that's no what- uh, yeah but i mean like the the culture of sharing through apps like instapaper and pocket and yeah um, but the social networks the problem with that like, is this. also
0: that people but, but they get it for any- free
1: which is the yeah
0: this is I, I, i'm i'm now taking the opposite side of the argument to what i normally take but there isn't anybody who is like trained and held accountable for that as much now. Right. Like there's nobody, there's no editors overseeing it. There's nobody who is like had a lot of experience in mm-hmm. it and has ta- learned how to do proper journalism and learned how to do all this stuff. I mean, this this investigation goes over months. Mm. It goes for months and months before they have a story that they're, that they're ready to publish and that is really, and you know, The, the movie thing does open. a really good
1: job of showing how thorough they are. It, you see them... Checking and double-checking facts, and writing down names and addresses, and double-checking those, and getting confirmation, and getting sources, and getting all kinds. Of, you see the um, the the work of journalism and doing it properly, and yeah, and, and not allowing. Really, they, the, they the to, extra
0: guy to go in. Right. The, the other guy, Brian Darcy, something. Mm. He's um Broadway actor. Oh right, which is where I know he uh he was in um um the Shakespeare one. And he was also King George in Hamilton for like oh, a week. wow. But then he was on the original cast recording, but then he went off and did the Shakespeare show. And then Jonathan Groff was King George. And that's oh, okay. like, it took, I was watching right. the whole movie. I'm like, I know him, I know him, I know him. And then we started recording and I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, right. Um, um yeah. But, but yeah. when he wants to tell the other people in his neighborhood and they say, no, right. you can't. Because one of the
1: safe houses is in his, like one of the places where they hide these molesting priests is just in a regular neighborhood. So not just, so, so there's a really good, uh, through line of, every neighbourhood they're in, there's a church, a church and a playground right next to one another. You mm. turn a corner, there's a church. You see one across from your house, you know, the big Catholic high schools across from the big newspaper and everyone everyone knows each other. But then there's a scene where um, his character realises that one of these, that that they're hiding these priests around the corner from where he lives mm. with his children and next to his neighbor's children. And I, that was quite well done. I thought he was going to go and find a church, but he didn't. He just found an ordinary house where they were hiding. And then we, of course, go to... Um, the priest who does talk and he's you know living with his sister again mm. being hidden by you know good catholic women like a good mem- good catholic faith- faithful woman
0: um there's something nice also about um the way that they show the characters home lives without harping on it too much like mm-hmm. there's these there's these little bits and pieces of their home lives and how this affects them at home but none of them are like the focus of it it's just showing kind of how this affects all of these people who mm. uh, who live in Boston and have these Catholic families or don't have them, but their families are affected somehow or mm. how their work affects them without it being like overly focused on. Like the focus mm. is still on the story. Um, I thought that was really nice. I, th- I think it's a nicely balanced movie. Mm. Like there's never a point where you get bored with one of the storylines. Um, there's never a point where you sort of forget about one of the storylines. I did have
1: trouble following some of the names because there's oh, yeah. a lot of similarities, right? And the, and they're all the are good Irish Catholic names. Like there's a Sullivan and an O'Sullivan and yeah, yeah, that's a Jim O'Sullivan and a Jim Sullivan, and they're different people. And they um and it, it goes two hours eight minutes, and I did not get bored at no, all. I like bored. I thought it did a really good job of balancing the different stories. I got really
0: itchy. But I, I think that bored. was the
1: cinema's fault and yeah. not um <laughs> No, it wasn't the, the movie. movie. I, I I reacted to something in the
0: cinema. It was the last hour of the movie. I was like, oh, I really want to like, walk out and take yeah. a break, but I really want to so, watch this like,
1: movie. I noticed that it was getting – I was like, oh, we've been doing this for a while, but I didn't want to leave. Mm. Like, I just wanted to be in that world. I wanted to be around these characters, and I wanted to find out what they were finding out. Yeah,
0: and I think that was another really nice they, – they paced it really well, Um, and they, they put in like these really nice beats when of, of – like you just get a discovery just as you're starting to get frustrated, or um, like it'll it'll give you the moments just as you need them. There's this really funny kind of nice moment when Mark Ruffalo is calling somebody and and they're like, "Oh, you have to drop it or they'll find out." And then the the person hangs up and then somebody knocks on the door mm-hmm. and it plays like a horror movie kind of beat for a second. Yeah, and then it makes it you think more that than
1: once. It happens to Rachel McAdams when it's yeah. Mark Ruffalo knocking on her door, and it makes you think that like
0: the that the um that John Slattery's character is. That part of this conspiracy that yeah. it turns out
1: that he's just another guy doing his job right and that he's doing his job is actually like because cause it feels like he's actually trying to stop them and he's not he's just making sure they're on really solid ground before they yep. proceed um yeah uh i thought it was very respectful to victims mm. um there's no recreations or anything like that it's victims telling their story and they're believed like you see that they're they're still being journalists, so they're checking names, they're checking addresses, they're checking times, but they're victims, they're allowed to speak for themselves and people believe them mm. and it's a really important I think that the movie finishes on that note as well. like I do think it's important that it finishes with those children in that that other storyline, but it's important that it finishes with victims. people like the the first few are so brave that they came out and talked to the newspaper. And then they open the floodgates, and everyone else is allowed to tell their story too.
0: Yeah, there's also um, there's also some things where like I feel like I could hear some of the quotes that they put in the article come out of people's mouths at certain points. And I haven't mm. read the article or anything, no. but you can. There's this. There's these couple of moments. There's a quote that um, that um, Stanley Tucci's character says, and there's a couple of moments in there mm-hmm. where you're like oh, this is a quote from the article or, oh, this is a quote. Like it, it just mm. th- that they feel like they are bigger than the movie, which is very realistic in its dialogue a lot of the time. But every so yeah. often somebody will come out with something that you can go, oh, that's going to be a pull quote for an article or something. I can just yeah. like, you could just kind of feel yeah. it. Yeah. And in, I feel mean, that drop. But I mean, yeah. not in a way that breaks the tension. It was just me being right. like somebody still, who used to, you know, very briefly do
1: journalism and stuff where yeah. you could kind of hear it. it. Yeah, no, and and I think that was – it always did feel quite realistic to me. Like it didn't feel like – there's one point at which Mark Ruffalo's character rants for a bit and it sounds, oh, yeah, there's a big speech. Like, you know, there's the Oscar clip. but uh, There's um, the West Wing moment is yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah. There's
0: so much walking and talking as well. I was like, oh, West Wing. Also, yeah. I just noticed that there's like a couple of older actors in this movie like John Slattery and Michael Keaton yeah.
1: who were like trying to walk around like younger men. And that they can't quite make it. Yeah, yeah, There was something that I. It just, it just kind of the old tweaked. hips and knees quite don't quite <laughs> manage it. Yeah,
0: and they're like in these the you know the shirt and pants. Like everybody mm. dresses the same way in this movie. Uh, well, actually,
1: the, I was thinking the costume was excellent. Costume yeah, was. was actually excellent because they dress like a people who work on live on a journalist salary who are who live in Boston who in two thousand and one like Rachel McAdams wears these horrible khaki trousers. Um, you know, that's what and they we're, wear the
0: same thing more than once Right, and that's the what amazing.
1: Right, and that's what regular women who went to an office job every day in the early 2000s would wear. And she carries a, a giant handbag because she's a journalist and she's got to carry her notepad around. And you see, like Mark Ruffalo, shove his note. He he gets around in jeans most of the time if he can get away with it, and he shoves his notepad down the back of his jeans. And it's they're, they're there. There are there are a couple of costumes moments when I actually
0: noticed that he had he would have a bag and then he wouldn't
1: have it in the next shot. And stuff, oh, right, yeah, which is terrible of me. But I noticed I did that, notice that he did. Yeah, he did get around with a bag quite often again because he's a journalist and he has to carry documents and it all that all kind of made a lot of sense but also none of that they all looked very ordinary
0: you know what i did think was i understand why it was there and i know it was necessary but it felt like it wasn't cogently worked into the plot was 9-11
1: oh that was interesting because the whole thing gets sidelined for 9-11 which is totally understandable but you so you see them you know you see it drop the day of and you see that suddenly everyone's moved on to it but then all of it's sort of like 6 weeks later all of a sudden yeah it only feels cogent when
0: um when Rachel McAdams is talking to the the first victim that they talk to um mm. the guy who runs the yeah, network the victims group. yeah uh, that was an that was he was so good too because mm-hmm. there's this scene that he does where you can tell he's doing a prepared speech and then he breaks the prepared speech to actually like let through his own feelings you can hear it in how he says it like oh this is the thing that i've said to a million other people a million Mm -hmm. times this is what happened to me and this is how it works and blah 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 and then he's like but i sent you guys this stuff why aren't you paying attention to me and it breaks and Mm -hmm. he he's him and that was really nicely done but yeah that's any time that the 9-11 thing actually kind of ties in And it feels like it's an aside almost, and it's a really weird. Like, I know it happened at that time, and so you kind of have to work it into the movie, but I feel like it should have been. It it could have. It's the only time in the movie that I felt like
1: it could have been handled better, Mm. that it doesn't quite fit. Well, it, it would have been like to actually show them being affected by like you you see mark Ruffalo's character drive yeah to that Florida nice too. and you see him there's one scene in a hotel room in florida what you don't see is him like going to the flight school and doing the job that he was supposed to be doing you don't see like how rachel mcadams's character gets sent to what like you get you see her get off a train which is clearly in dc because it says arlington and the station so she's obviously been sent you know to go closer to the action but there's no like you don't actually see them do their job that was the other thing that i thought was slightly off was there's a
0: um there's a little montage of them reading through all the books at different locations mm-hmm. and i'm like why is she going to a library to do this when she can do it at work
1: no 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 no, is- no that that's the librarian actually says that to them if you're going before 1980 you have to go to the boston public library they, and so they're going oh, okay. back into the that. But area.
0: why? I mean, they do it at the train station. I, I right, felt like because, that
1: was because just the. A, uh, so I and but yeah, she, I they feel do like that was that.
0: partly just because they wanted to show more Boston yeah. locations, uh, but, like it well, was, probably and to make it more visually interesting and stuff. Right, but, it do, it's not an issue. which yeah. so I think the Boston I
1: Globe s- had some of them, and then they they and they had to go to the library. Right. So she the ones that they had the globe, she was able to take with her and all that sort of stuff. Sure.
0: Yeah, I yeah. just felt like that was kind I of there to, I liked, there was a little. Break
1: up the th- yeah. monotony of the There was being a little officers. through line also of like hero librarians. <laughs> like, I, I liked the, uh, the very hardworking <laughs> librarians who would pull all these things out for them. And that one
0: guy who one- either was Hitchcock or Scully or reminded me of the Hitchcock. The records and Scully. office guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the know. The records right? office guy who like. I thought who- Jerry Gurgich, but totally the same character. Yeah. yeah. Who was just like, no, you can't have this. Yeah. And, and Mark Ruffalo's like, but why? And he's like, no, you can't have this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. In his little sweater vest. That was really good. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, just watching every time he sort of broke into a run, we giggled because he's mm-hmm. like a puppy. Yes. Um, he's, he's, adorable although he always speaks like he's got a mouthful of marbles and he's on the radio slightly distant and like too thick yeah strange <laughs> it was a bit of a strange accent but i guess it's not the way, just the accent no, it's how, he how talks. mark ruffalo talks he's always got a mouthful of marbles r- 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 and r- r- he's like at a distance yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. i noticed it most when he was on the phone fo- like the, the the car scene mm-hmm. where there's like this taxi scene where it shows all of boston while mark ruffalo is explaining yeah that was happened. a
1: great great scene very well done
0: it was. Mm. However, his like particular way of speaking came through so much because it's just him talking over the mm. shot of the taxi and I'm like, he he sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I had time to notice these things because it is like, that's the yeah. kind of movie it is, but right. I liked it. It was good. No, great. I
1: loved it. I, that records clerk and the um the receptionist though, like I was kind of thinking of myself here because I, I'm like, I've been those people. Mm. Like I can remember um, I was a receptionist for – a politician and this woman used to ring at least once a week from a victim's advocate group uh of people who like foster kids mm. people who've been in state care and she'd ring every week and she i'd always chat to her but and she'd always tell me the stories and she'd write to us all the time and she was like a wonderful advocate she reminded me of this guy and his victims group and um and eventually like the government did apologize to these people and she was vindicated for all this work but I just remembered every one of those phone calls where like it was my job to basically listen, smile and nod and say, yeah, look, you know, we're listening. We've got your letters and all that kind of stuff. And I just, you know, it, it it's really one of those movies that will make you examine yourself and think about that stuff in your own role yeah. in doing these things. So, I always always feel for those kind of people and the records guy is kind of like that as well like he's just it's a a very sensible movie yeah people
0: doing their jobs
1: people doing what they do and people being people and it's they're all so normal like there's a that's what's so good about that um that sort of dowdy costuming is these are movie stars who actually sort of fit in this world and they're Mm. they're believably ordinary well rachel McAdams, but maybe yeah yeah, maybe her hair is a bit not ordinary because nobody can achieve that every morning on a journalist's um uh, time frames but you know, other than that. And, you know, she's so pretty. Yeah, but they, they – And sort it of is kind of frustrating like that there's
0: one woman in this movie. Yeah, well, and, and – And she deliberately- looks like Rachel McAdams and everybody else looks like right. not Rachel McAdams. And also,
1: she's the only one whose spouse we actually see. We don't see King George's spouse at all. We, we no, see we that do. He, uh, when they're in bed together, we see right, her. Yeah, she's, like, asleep. We yeah. don't see Mark Ruffalo's spouse. We don't see – and, in fact, um, Michael Keaton and his cardinal flunky friend – like the he's, O'Sullivan, Who Sullivan, is that he, actor. I know that. actor Anyway, from he's got this old friend. From I think he's school. also played a, played a priest before, right? And anyway, they're friends, and he's sort of works with the cardinal and, and whatever. They meet up at this thing, and they both mention their wives by name, and then like, oh, it's too bad they couldn't come. Like, and I get, oh no, his wife. We see though, we see so, the other guy. Yeah, eventually we do, um, but we don't see Michael Keaton's ever, and we we kind no. of like. And I get that the this really was a team of three dudes and one lady, and or the editor was a dude, and the their sub editor was a dude, and all that. I kind do of thing, feel like they but,
0: kind of try and put women
1: in where in yeah, places where they can, but it might have been
0: nice if they focused on a woman who uh, was uh, molested a little bit more, because there's cause there's again, a bit where he says that women were as well, and it is mostly men who were, mm. but it would. have been nice to see a little more of that um yeah because i the, don't know how much you could do i no, think even in the that's newsroom what scenes they tried to put women yeah. and, and people of color in the background but there's not a lot of people of color who are main characters
1: and that's what i was in trying to say main players. they do try but then there's also for narrative economy there's just not space for it and yeah because there's
0: so much there's so many characters to put in here anyway
1: mm, so much going on
0: yeah I did really like that line where the um, the one guy who was molested was talking about how handsome Billy Crudup was. Yeah, <laughs> like that was just. It's but it's so. Yeah. It's not just. Fun, it's like so true and affecting that this guy who's good looking might be able to his story was i think one
1: of the ones that was best done because his you know the story that the priest was the first person who'd ever sort of said to him it's okay to be gay
0: well that was really interesting as well because you see a lot of things that kind of imply the other way around where like if you were molested then you turn out to be gay but that was this is the first movie i think i've seen i think mysterious skin does a little bit too but where they they flip that on its head and they go well no people will a- that the the predators will actually pick on these kids that they can tell are gay because, because they yeah. because they're gay and because they are that makes them easier marks because they're being picked on by other people or they may not which was something be out else or-
1: that was particularly sensitively and well done is the note that they De- they they weren't just like opportunistic crimes they deliberately picked kids from broken homes mm. with absent fathers with parents with mental illness who were yeah who were gay it it shows the um the pattern of abuse yeah. it's not just a pattern of it was never just about the fact that they were celibate celibacy doesn't help the situation but it had has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they were forced to be they were supposed to be celibate they're behaving like this. Uh, I don't. I mean, they, they they did go into the psychology of it a little bit. Well, because it, this doesn't just happen in the Catholic Church. There are other churches where priests are not required to be celibate, where this has happened. Yes, but I think
0: that that plays into it. I mean, they, right, right, they talk about does, that with the psychologist. It's the who we never see, which no, is strange. It's just
1: really weird, and it's always like, and there's a, even a line about it. If you ever met this guy in person, and they never actually do, but it never goes anywhere, and and the story breaks, and it's all kind of they they seem to be happy with the you know verification of that source. But anyway, yeah, um, but that, that sort of pattern, that way of abusers picking out their victims, I think that was important too because people do – um, and you hear it in other cases of abuse where, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, uh, domestic abuse happens because, you know, they pick out poor women or they pick out women with, who've got mental health problems or they pick out women who are – or, the, or they're they're drunk and they're, or they're a drug addict and and
0: and they also and talk about how true how it's easy to discredit them afterwards because what happened to them has affected them so badly mm. that they turn to drugs or alcohol or yep. kill themselves or be or become you know um, unhappy yeah. and and that makes it easier to discredit them but it's actually because of what happened to
1: that it's that what happened and we don't go into that a and, huge deal and but the one
0: guy with the um
1: the one
0: guy with the track marks track marks as well I saw those. So early on, cause he, there's this, like, he keeps talking and he's, he's gesturing with his other arm mm-hmm. and the, the arm with the track marks is still the whole time cause the, obviously cause they want us to see that. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and, but that, again, it's quite sensitively handled. Like, you can yeah. see that these guys, the victims are more, ideal than you know probably the average because but because these are the guys who can talk and well can, that's what I mean yeah, yeah. like um, it's but, not so much
0: that they're, they're idealized as that these are the ones who are able to like mm. who have now become stable enough to be able
1: to talk yeah and that first one Patrick like that that was quite I know. I know. You say it's not subtle, but it was actually quite a subtle way of showing that his life has been fucked up. I didn't mean it wasn't this, subtle. But I just meant that I noticed it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it, it, it is quite a subtle, and effective way of showing that his life has been fucked up while still allowing him to maintain his dignity. Which again it's very good at, at maintaining the dignity of the victim. Yeah, I
0: like how the, the other guy, the when uh Rachel McAdams first meets him, he's like clumsy and it looks like he's gonna be comedic, but they don't play it that no, way at all. I like anxious. That they they're const- but that's the thing, yeah. is they're constantly appending expectations in this movie. Mm. They set up an expectation and it's not what you think it's gonna be. And it's a really neat they they do it really well. Mm. Um they they subvert tropes over and over again in this movie so that like you never quite know what's going to happen which is mm. kind of nice um like they they do this big uh setup for um Stanley Tucci coming in mm-hmm. so you know it's going to be somebody famous but then they there was somebody else that they did that with later and it wasn't somebody fa- uh, Pella, uh, no law Pell is, Ooh, the Australian. Pell is the Australian Cardinal, by the way. <laughs> by the way, it took me such a long time to realize that Cardinal Law was a person. I thought they were talking about like a law that applies to cardinals within the church. Oh, okay. So, no, I've, I've
1: heard of Cardinal Law. Was, I didn't know I, that. Yeah. So, it
0: took me a while to realize that they were talking about a person.
1: No, anyway. uh, yeah. Um, I, they, they I've obviously, I remember well. this happening because I can remember the big Cardinal Law scandal.
0: Okay. I just don't – I knew that there was a scandal in Boston about the priest. I just didn't remember mm. the name Cardinal Law. And it mm. sounds like it could be – like laws that cardinals yeah, right. within right. the Catholic church that, that cardinals have to have to pay attention to. So I, I, it took me a while to realize that. That was the thing with the names. It's just a lot of names mm. and I couldn't remember a lot of them. Yeah, no, um, totally. But, yeah, uh, I, I think it was uh, interesting as well, like, because, you know, my dad grew up Catholic. You were um, raised
1: Catholic. Yeah. Like not he, the you, same way he was. No, and not um, the same way my dad was as
0: well. No, I mean, I didn't go to a school – that was like the schools in this one. I mm. went to a Catholic school, but it was significant. A couple of Catholic schools, but they're significantly different to the types of schools in this one. Um, but I think th- th- it's that more that brothers who are coaching the boys. Mm. And yeah, that bo- well, both that, of
1: us have, have dads who come from families and, and backgrounds like that. Um, yeah. And – One of the towns mentioned at the end, they talk about all the different places where this has happened. One of the towns mentioned is a town a couple of hours from where my dad grew up and was being, you know, trained by brothers and raised by, you know, taught by brothers. And I don't, like, I remember him talking about, you know, all that kind of Catholic stuff. I don't know whether, you know, he knew anybody who was involved in this. I don't know if people in the community knew about it. But I I do know that the brothers and the nuns were completely embedded in kids' lives. And there's this talk about how like it's like God came in and mm. tells Which you Which is do very things. hard for you and I to understand and it's very hard for I mean a lot of modern audiences to understand. But I think that's important that they do, do try and explain that. Because it was I don't know, I I
0: get it. I, I mean I I get it in terms of like but only because I can see it happening with other people within my family's circle or right. with my family. I mean, my family is like a proper like you know, big Catholic family. Mm. None of uh, most of my generation don't have it, and it was really interesting to well, watch that's them. Although we're I, all lapsed Catholics, you yeah,
1: know. I know. I, I watched that, and I was like, these people are about our dad's age, yeah, and our you know aunts and uncles and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. But in our generation, it's not like that, and I I can't imagine it. Like I I know, I, I guess maybe my family have always been a bit feisty, but I can you know. I can imagine sort of older generations in my family and it's um the women as well. I think it's interesting the the way that lay women and even and nuns as well prop up the Catholic Church in a particular way like the unpaid labor of women in the Catholic Church in terms of like they didn't go into yeah, that at they all. They didn't go into that at all. It's off topic for this movie, but it's one of those interesting things about the way the Catholic Church works is that it relies on the sort of goodwill of the nuns and the lay women to kind of keep everything going. Well, I mean, there's a reason that the Catholic Church church as an institution is not as powerful as it used to be, Mm -hmm. and that
0: Donald Trump can take on the Pope and apparently still win favor with everybody. (laughs) But not the point. No, (laughs) and
1: also, I mean, Boston's very different from the rest of America in terms of it doesn't have that Puritan history, it's got this Catholic history Mm -hmm. um, that's part of its culture that's different.
0: Yeah, the the Catholicism thing uh, and the Catholic Church was kind of covered a little bit in this, but not extensive well I think
1: I think the point is that it doesn't it's not just the Catholic Church it's in, it, I mean it was in this particular case it is the Catholic Church and that it is something that is still in the process of um, of being unraveled I think the the church thinks in centuries that line that they they use which is quite a good one there's sort of this story, this scandal this issue I think has probably a lot more time to play out. It's not like um this was 15 years ago we knew about the priests like this probably 20 years before that you started hearing about it in the 90s late late 80s I guess um and it's got probably more time to play out but it it also there are lessons from this that don't just apply to the Catholic Church. Mm. They apply to other institutions and other you know systems of oppression and systems of abuse that happen. But this this is a very particular and specific story. It's interesting that
0: this is a system of abuse that largely affects Young boys and the amount of attention it's gotten, yeah, as opposed to systems of abuse that largely affect young girls mm-hmm. or women, and the amount of attention that they get, yeah, but that 's not to say that this should not get attention Absolutely
1: no, and should. that it's not a horrible thing that happened, yeah. but it, that's I think whereas that 's where I was going when I was talking about the um the credibility of the victims who do speak up in the movie they 're very credible witnesses, mm. but then also there's more.
0: Uh, chance of them not speaking up. Um, there's yeah. a lot more silence when it happens
1: to boys. I think right, and boys a- are
0: taught not to be emotional and not to speak up. And stuff.
1: Right, and there's a lot more shame in in not conforming as a boy. Uh, yeah. Should we wrap it up? Give it yeah, uh, four and a half out of five. I was going to give it four and a half too. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, SilverScreenQueens.com. Of course, you want to say something else. Of course, you do.
0: I really liked the um, cinematography on this movie by. Uh, Masanobu, uh, something. I, I noted his name when it finished, but I thought that was really. I thought it was really pretty. The um, colors were muted and oh, really geez. warm is, and is, nice. Masanobu something. Yeah,
1: Masanobu Takayanagi.
0: Takayanagi. Okay, Masanobu Takayanagi did a good job. Um yep. And uh, I also think it was interesting that they went for very little mu- uh, score. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of scenes that had no score whatsoever and it kind of reminded me of the body a little bit the buffy episode where there was no score in the whole episode because it seemed like they were trying to they only ever used score when there was a big moment Mm -hmm. of discovery or when they were trying to get between scenes or something like that but like most of the time the conversations just happened with no score whatsoever Mm -hmm. um i thought that was interesting yeah kind of way to Mm -hmm. highlight the realness and the severity of the situation
1: yeah yes definitely Uh, If you want to find us on social media, we are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Queens. If you want to find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens and on Tumblr, tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to read Katie's review of Spotlight or of any other movies that she watches, you can find them on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. I'm only one movie behind now. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.